welcome to the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Well, hello, everybody. I am the solo host this week. This is Al Ferreira here, and I am super excited uh, to have today. Uh, so in a drum roll, please. Let's insert a drum roll here when we edit this. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Garcia with the JCC Camp Centerland. Ta-da! Ta-da! And so, you know, it's, it's, it's Michael and myself. However, Michael just finished uh, 10 weeks and uh, plus, really, because of uh, staff orientation and all the planning of summer day camp uh in in the covid world and uh so we decided that uh uh we needed to he, he just ended on uh, uh you know four days ago so we're getting him fresh and raw and uh maybe a little smelly as well so and tired and very uh, tired. michael how are you how you know tell us a little bit about how you are at this moment at this moment i am exhausted uh <laughs> we're recording this episode tuesday the eighth so i had the long labor day weekend and uh wanted to do all this fun stuff at home and ended up just being a lazy bum on the couch and uh tuesday came in and we are packing up the camp so camp office is getting picked up on friday we got a lot of stuff still to do i got a great staff helping me out for the day but it's just the two of us and uh so i'm a little tired a little spent I, it feels like back in the day when I first started in camp as a kid, you know, it was, we had 12 week programs. Uh, we even had a 13 week one summer, we multiple school districts. And I'll tell you this 10 weeks feels like a 12 or 13 week camp week, <laughs> camp summer. So I, I, I noticed, uh, well, I, I, in my research for, for our call today, uh, I found this great letter. And, and by found, I mean, you emailed it to me. Yeah. Uh, uh, this great letter that you've shared with all your stakeholders, your families, your parents, uh, people who have donated to the camp. Uh, and, and what I love about it is that it, it's kind of a, a camp by the numbers of the types of things. So, you know, one of the numbers that stuck out to me is, you know, in the last 10, 11 weeks, you've walked 294 miles on the property and, yeah. uh, you know, 10 weeks, 49 days, 392 hours and so many minutes and, uh, you know, the, the 727 camper weeks, a lot of great stuff. Uh, uh, you know, I... I've always, uh, at the end of summer, kind of prepared a similar type of uh, state of the end of camp statement for, for stakeholders. So, so I was glad to see you do the same. Uh, uh, of the things that you listed, what's something that you were the proudest of having achieved? Oh, wow, the proudest. Um, you know, I, I think this summer, it's it's going to sound hokey and campy and kitsch and you know that's kind of what we are in our camp worlds but just the the outpouring from the parents and the families that what camp me camp meant to them this summer was really what I'm most proud of um you know in that letter it, you know that says my 30th summer this is 30 years of working with kids and um I, every year you're like, oh, this is a great summer. One of my best staff, one of my top staff, one of my top summer programs. 
this was hands down the best summer I've ever worked. I think the most meaningful impact that we could make on our campers and staff, to be honest with you, it, uh, was this summer. They, they just needed it. They felt it and they were bought in. Um, I, I ran into my executive director today and he said, you know, how did we, how did we end up? And I said, you know, well, budget wise, it's, it's going to be tight. You know, we're, we're, we're going to run a negative variance, but, and he goes, yeah, he's like, I didn't get a single phone call this summer. <laughs> I didn't get a single parent. Hey, my kid didn't get to shoot archery or my kid didn't get to, or this happened, you know, it was a, a completely supportive summer. And I think that has a lot to do with how we communicated to parents, how we communicated to staff and how our staff communicated out to parents uh, this summer. Which is a critical, important thing about communication. I want to get right into the the, the rawness of what has occurred over this uh, this time period. Uh, you know, obviously, our our podcast started early uh, in order to really dive into what's happening for different agencies and organizations. So, Michael, tell me, uh, what was the great over the as you look over the last ten weeks? What was the thing that stands out as possibly the greatest pain, the most difficult thing that you needed to uh, do or ended up doing as a result of all the different things? What, what was painful in this summer? You know, Al, I don't, I don't know if anything, one thing was painful. I think the, the stress that I saw the staff and, and I'll be honest, and myself went through this summer, the additional pressure to make sure things and procedures and the new practices were followed. Um, you know, having conversations with staff to really dig deep and say, you gotta have the mask over your nose and this is why, and I know you understand, but I kinda, I need you to follow through on this because as in the past we think, oh, eh, you were, you know, you didn't do this little small thing and this little small thing. This is kind of a big thing that we need to make sure you got accomplished. And then the aspect of just really the the two times this summer we had a we had a COVID free summer, so we're very proud about that. Um, we did do one uh, one person we sent home at check in for a temperature. Um, it was their first day at camp and they had a temp over the over our allotted uh, temperature range that we wanted and we sent them home and, and thank goodness nothing, it was negative. But we did have a child, actually twice, two different children who parents called us and said, we're having a COVID test. And, and our health department guidelines said, if, if someone in a group in their bubble had a COVID test, not necessarily a positive result, but a actual test, we were required to quarantine that group, including the staff. So I think that first time was very stressful for the staff. When it kind of hit home at, oh my goodness, this could do this. Um, we had a lot of staff that, because we got notified on a Friday morning. We, a lot of staff actually went home for the day because of the stress of that day. Um, we had a couple of staff who took the next couple of weeks off because of the stress of potentially infecting their grandparent that was living with them or their older parent that was living with them. Um, so those, those were the stresses of, of camp. Um, I kept saying all summer, you know, all the way up till like week six of our 10 weeks, I kept saying it feels like week eight or nine or 10 with the stress I was feeling. Um, 
just trying to make sure everybody was happy, everybody was healthy, everybody was doing what they should be doing. And as camp directors, I think, you know, we've all done it, Al. I know you've done it. And I know the camp directors out there have all said either in their head or out loud, you know, I'm the only one who should feel stressed this summer. You should be having a good time. You should be interacting and, and connecting and building relationships. Let me worry about this. Let me handle the stress. And I think this summer for the camps that ran, the camps who didn't run, there's a whole nother level of stress. Don't get me wrong. But the camps that ran, there was, there was at least for my opinion, the increased stress this summer. Absolutely. And, and just for clarification's sake, when you say you, you quarantined that group when that first kid uh, was going to go get that, to, how, did, were they quarantined like they couldn't attend camp or they were in camp and they were isolated? So yeah, so we were day camp. So uh, those groups were notified via phone call from me and my nurse. Um, to the parents. The parents were not permitted to bring the children to the camp. Um, the children were recommended to quarantine at home if they had siblings. The siblings were not allowed to come to camp. Um, and the staff person in that group was quarantined as well and not allowed to come to camp and um, had to stay home until the child that got the COVID test. And in both scenarios, the child who got the COVID test came back negative we had some kids join us that next morning. They were there and ready to go. Um, so that's how we quarantine. We didn't specifically quarantine as a day camp. We don't have bunks right. and things like that. Yeah. So, I, and just for my clarity's sake, so so that staff person or those staff people as they go home, uh, what at what point in time, what support are you giving them in that isolation? Yeah. Daily, daily reach outs, daily text messages and phone calls from me is what, mm -hmm. what ended up happening and checking on their mental health, I think was the, the biggest part that we could do. Um, we wanted to make sure that they felt comfortable. We wanted to put their mind at ease um, as well as twice a day phone calls to the parent of the child who had the test. Um, they were, I kept reaching out to them, email, text all, all day. Um, and so as parents, you know, reached back out to me as that parent reached back out and said, Hey, We've been to three doctors. He's had a chest x-ray. Um, everybody thinks it's just allergies or a summer flu, which we have how many every year, right? There's, there's, right, at, least, right. there's at least a dozen at my camp annually every summer, but those flu-like symptoms immediately got a COVID test. So we, as soon as we got that information, the staff person was called. It was the, the text was copied and pasted to them so they could see what the parents verbatim were saying. And then a, 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 a redacted version was sent out to the regular, to the families that were in the group who were home quarantined, um, you know, leaving the child's name out or the father's name out or the mother's name out or whatever the case may be. So. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's rough at best, you know? So, uh, so, so here's, here's the, the other end of that question. It just, uh, so, you know, as I look at uh, your, your things, you know, 1,068 arrows shot and 1,400 people climbing walls and uh, 98 boxes of snacks. I'm curious what those snacks were. I'm hoping guacamole somehow. Um, but uh, that's just my No personal. guacamole. No. Oh man. <laughs> Uh, and a new tire for a golf. So what, what brought you the greatest joy this summer? Uh, you know, uh, as cliche as it is, the kids, you know, the, I, I do it for this. I, you know, they really, man, these kids rise. We're going to be okay. 
us old people are going to be okay. This next generation, as much as everybody complains, oh, they won't wear masks, they won't do this, they won't do that. These kids rise to that occasion. You just set that bar six inches above their grip and they're going to jump for it and they're going to rise to it. I think that's the biggest part. You know, we had a first grader literally wear a mask every day, all day, except for eating lunch. And I had, I've had so many people say, oh, kids won't do that. I don't know about where you were, but our week two of camp, which was the week after 4th of July, it was in the 90s. It was like 40% humidity. It was just gross. And this girl wore this mask all day, every day and rocked it and had a smile on her face. And yes, you can tell that they were smiling with a mask on to the point where it was odd to see her at lunch eating with her mask off. It was, who is that child? And, you know, we, we got to know them really well, but this group was just, they stepped up and, and I was really impressed at their, their grit and their um, empathy towards their friends, I think was a huge part. So the kids, the kids are always the reason I want to do this, but really this summer, the kids did a great job. That's, that's fantastic. And, and uh, it's clear by the smile that you have on your face as you talk about it, 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 it just rings so true. Uh, and, and, and it's the reason we do this every summer is that joy. So um, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I want to give you a little bit of bragging time also. Uh, and, and tell us, uh, you guys, on top of running a day camp, uh, you guys did a first ever fundraiser in the middle of summer to raise some financial assistance for the families that you're serving. So uh, you want to share a little bit about that with the group? Sure. I, can, I give a little context uh, in the beginning first. So Camp Centerland uh, normally runs about 180 kids a week, uh, about 17 to 1800 camper weeks in the summer. Uh, we are, we ran this summer only 40% of our normal capacity. So uh, with that being said, ratios were lower, right? So we had more staff than we, than we normally would have for regular groups. Um, we tried to maintain as much leadership and support staff as possible, as well as this summer, we added a lot of, uh, we added some uh, inclusion counselors. And so that expense really didn't go away. I mean, you know, camps and the largest expenses staffing. Uh, so it looked at the beginning with our modified numbers that Camp Centerland was going to lose um, $50,000. And yeah, oof, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the J Camp 180, which is a, a national organization that supports camps and helps them with fundraising and things, we've been through this um, uh, uh, leadership institute with them. And we have been working over the past two years, and it's a three-year plan, so really for next summer, um, was to really launch a uh, first annual support campaign. And really just kind of said, you know what, this is the year we're going to do it. Uh, we had a lot of people say, you shouldn't be raising money during this time. People don't have money. Um, when we came up with, we, you know, we wanted to raise $20,000, you know, uh, a few people were like, nah, let's should make it like five or 10. We've never done this before. You know, my favorite term, we don't do that here. 
and <laughs> yeah, right. And you're, we, you're being facetious when you say that. Just yeah, so. it, yeah, 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 yeah. No, without a doubt. Everybody, you know, if you've ever heard or said, well, we don't do it that way, or we've never done it way before. This is, this is not, you know, this is nobody's ever done a pandemic who's alive before. So what are we really doing here? And so we, we set the, um, Oh my, let's use another term, a BHAG, a, B, a big, hairy, big audacious, hairy, goal. audacious goal. Um, so we set a BHAG of $20,000 and we phone called, we, I got a pie in the face. Um, my assistant director got a pie in the face. My program director got a pie in the face. As, as a challenge to as a challenge, money. As a, okay. as a yeah. change camp. Kids yeah. bring in your change and put it in one of the leadership's jars and whoever gets the most money is going to get a pie in the face. And um, nice. of course, you know, the camp director gets the first one and because, you know, that's the way it goes. And the program director got the second one and the assistant director got the third one, three different weeks. We did it every other week. But we showed children how to engage in a culture of philanthropy. Like we had parents giving money. Of course, we made phone calls. We did direct asks. We had some amazing donors. We had one donor who gave $7,500 right off the bat uh, before we even officially announced it. He was like, I want to help you. I have $7,500. Here you go. I almost fell out of my chair. And so we asked, I know it sounds simple, but we engaged them. We talked to them. The kids brought in money. We had kids bringing in piggy bank money. And then when I called parents and was like, thank you so much, you know, that piggy bank money was like close to $20. They're like, no, no, that was all their piggy bank money. Like it was their money and they want to see Mr. Nick or Mr. Carmen or you, Mr. Michael, get a pie in the face. And that was just a great way. But we used it as an opportunity to tell the kids why. It's not just about the pie. It's about helping other kids. It's about helping Camp Centerland. You know, it's our 65th year this year in 2020. We need to make sure Camp Centerland's there for the 66th year. And so that was a big part of why we did this campaign and how we did it. Um, we had board members, volunteers um, uh, make phone calls to parents, just calling them and saying, this is what we need. This is what we need the support. We're asking. We've never asked before and we're asking now. And we're going to continue to ask. We, weren't, we were very um, intentional with letting them know that, we are going to ask next year and we are going to ask the year after that. And this is the first phase of a community campaign that will send ripples over the next, hopefully the next 60 years at Camp Centerland. That's fantastic. It, it's, it, you know, and what you're doing is you're teaching empathy uh, with those kids by, by the way you engage them in that uh, uh, fundraising and earlier you were talking about uh, really resiliency, the amount of resiliency that first grader uh, had in that group. So, uh, but next up, we are going to take a quick break uh, and we'll be back uh, after this commercial break from our friends at Expert Online Training. Thanks so much to our sponsors, Expert Online Training. Al, you've used Expert Online Training. Tell us about it. 
I have. I've been a past user and, and, and a big fan of expert online training. I've used them for our first year staff. I've used them uh, for returning leaders. I've used them for our senior leadership uh, or what uh, some people call the, the directing team and I call the support staff. Uh, the different topics and presenters that they have really are worthwhile in tailoring training to your specific camp teams in so many different ways. It's a great program. My camp is using expert online training this summer. So if you're interested in expert online training, go to expertonlinetraining.com and check them out. So this is Al Ferreira again. Uh, we're back with, uh, I, again, I'm uh, solo hosting today as my guest is Michael Garcia, uh, my usual co-host, who is sitting in the guest chair, having completed uh, 10 weeks and uh, 300 and 92 miles of walking and uh, 1,720 staff hours and 1,500 art projects at the the summer uh, day camp that he ran for the uh, at Camp Centerland this summer. So again, uh, uh, a hearty congratulations. So uh, Michael, there's there's uh, uh, and uh, again, not to try to create conflict, but I know there have been some uh, folks out there saying that no camps should have run at all. Uh, ha having completed a successful summer and, and, and uh, you know, what, not necessarily what would you say to those critics, but, uh, you know, what are your feelings as far as, you know, I think 62% of, of camps did not operate this year. Uh, so uh, what's your gut reaction to that, uh, uh, that kind of thinking? Yeah. Yeah. My gut reaction is, I don't know. You know, my, my camp, my design of my program, we ran at 40% of our full capacity because we knew we wouldn't have space for the, the 180 kids. Um, I'm blessed to have a 20-acre outdoor private property summer camp. So I didn't have to worry about being in a school. I didn't have to worry about being you know, in a, in the JCC, you know, I didn't have to worry about member conflicts. I didn't, I could isolate us. The gates closed every day and we didn't let anybody in. My boss, my supervisor didn't come out to camp to visit once at all. Mm -hmm. And she wanted to, but we just said, if you're not specifically hands-on working camp, we had our own maintenance person. Everything was independent. Nobody left the property. Nobody came onto the property. The health department guy came in week one, day two. Came in, did his during camp visit. Awesome. Thanks. No problems. We didn't see him the rest of the summer. So we had the ability to do that. We had the ability and, and the, the understanding that to meet our mission, of our organization, it was important to run camp and help the families in the communities that we, that we serve. And so we did this. We ran a bus from the city of Buffalo out every day. We actually ran two buses. So anybody who knows cost of bus, that's huge. However, we went from 66 people on a bus to 22. That, that was a lot. That's a lot of money. And so with that less income, with, with the increased bus expenses, two buses ran and 
I'll tell you, in the end of May, before the state of New York said you can run on June 2nd, um, my supervisor and I had a couple of conversations about should we run? Is this the right thing for us? And I think when I had that conversation, she was a little taken back in the fact of saying that I would suggest that we wouldn't and have that conversation about it. But I wanted to be as transparent and clear as possible to say, we need to make sure every kid's safe. The people who know me, people who listen to this podcast, who know me or know of me, um, know that I wasn't going to run a camp that was unsafe. And if I felt I couldn't do it, I, we would not have run. But I felt with the American Camp Associations and the CDC, Center for Disease Control, and the state of New York and Erie County guidelines, which we exceeded, were able to be at least met, we would be able to run. Um, a lot of temperature checks every day, every staff. I made sure mine was checked. Um, I, man, I must've went through 10 masks this summer, just wore them out, sweated through them. And, you know, all over my desk were, were masks upon masks. And that allowed our parents to feel comfortable. Not all of our parents, some of them just didn't end up coming to camp. Some of them registered and then pulled out. And we said, sure, here's your full refund. A lot of parents actually pushed their money to next summer. But they had to be comfortable and we had to be comfortable. So for the camps that didn't run, oh man, I feel you. I, I, you know, you know, you did the, you, I say that this is the hardest decision I ever did in camping was to run. And you did the hardest decision you've ever done is to decide not to run. And, you know, I can't, I can't fault you for your decisions. We're in Western New York. We were not in New York City. Um, now it's getting a little hairy in Western New York, but during the summer, you know, the, the transmission rate was below 1% almost the entire summer. And our epidemiologist, uh, one of our board members, we're lucky enough to have an epidemiologist on the board of the JCC. And, you know, we chatted and he's like, you should go. It, it, it really boils down to mission and your integrity around that mission yeah, yeah. Uh, and moving forward with that. So And being yeah. prepared, right? I mean, not that, not that these other camps that didn't run wouldn't have been prepared. I'm sure if they were like, hey, we're going to do this, they were going to kill it and they were going to have awesome programs. But we felt at the time we were prepared to be successful and to keep the kids' health and safety at the forefront. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, knock on wood, we're – Camp ended last Friday, so and we have zero reported COVID cases. Uh, I'm probably not going to rest completely until next Friday, two weeks out, because then that's our full window. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there you go. So, well, I, I you know, I'd, I'd like to um, shift gears here just a little bit. Sure. Uh, earlier this summer on one of our podcasts, you shared a story about when you were young, uh, and offered a campership or financial assistance uh, to a kid and your camp director uh, made you work the rest of that summer to pay for that, uh, for that campership. Um, uh, I, I found it uh, very interesting. Uh, you have something you call 15 cow shirts on your list of accomplishments this summer. Cows are counselors of the week. Right. Uh, so, so I want I, I want to marry those two two stories real quick because 
tell me about how uh, one of those counselors of the week, or maybe it, it wasn't somebody who earned that shirt. I'm guessing it probably was. Uh, how, how you offered grace in some form of leadership uh, to that staff person, kind of paying forward what was done for you, you know, the, the 28 summers ago or 30 yeah. summers ago. Yeah, I think it's important. And I, and I think it's important every year, but I think this year really making sure the staff felt recognized. Um, this summer, which I haven't really done in the past, um, we made sure the refrigerator in my office was 100% stocked with Gatorade all the time. And any staff at any time could come and grab one. And we brought them out to everybody. Um, we made sure there was chocolate in there, right? We made sure that there were things for them to grab. We had like three pizza days. We had bagels and, or sorry, not bagels, but donuts and coffee mornings. And we did this because we wanted the staff to feel the appreciation that that really was happening um, from, from the leadership of the camp. The cow is usually just one staff person a week and you could, it is, that was your week to shine, right? You were the counselor of the week. We did a few double cows, right? So we had two people who really stepped up and, and did an amazing job. But once Friday ended, that cow reset to Monday, right? So you could have had a, eh, a kind of okay week, maybe even not a rock star week last week. But then you came back, we talked, you readjusted, and you killed it. Guess what? You're the cow. Um, leadership votes on the cow. Uh, we have a fun tradition of, so our cow shirts, the front of them is a like little face of a cartoon cow. You can see the body. Uh, and on the back is the back end of the cow. So it's the tush of the cow and the word cow is backwards and everything written on there is backwards. So it's like the back of the shirt. And so what we do is we open the shirt and as you open the front of the shirt to all the kids, they all moo. And then we close the shirt and then moo, 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 moo. And we keep opening, closing the shirt. And then we So this talk. is a, a very public uh, oh, acknowledgement. Yeah. It's in front of the entire camp. Correct. Either, either in the morning or the afternoon on that Friday. Um, and I'll be honest with you, it was meant to be in the morning every Friday, but there were Fridays that got away from me and we did it at the afternoon on Friday. Um, so, you know, even as we get busy, we get occupied and we, we, we want to make sure our, but every Friday we hit um, a cow and the staff, the kids cheered when it was their counselor. It wasn't just counselors though. I mean, we had specialists that got it. We, everybody who was op was available except for leadership because it was leadership acknowledging the cows. And uh, as they wore their shirt, um, you know, we, we wear staff shirts every day. Um, they're these green um, Camp Centerland shirts. Uh, however, if you get the cow shirt, that becomes a staff shirt. You can wear it any day, right? Because it's important for people to see that you rose to the occasion. Uh, so, and you can get one cow a summer, but you can get cows multiple summers. So we had a lot of staff who returned who were great last year and got a cow shirt. And this year came back and got a second cow shirt. That recognition, and like you said, out public recognition, we want everybody to see and know that that staff person rose to the occasion. So yeah, we had, we had a great staff. That's, that's fantastic. That's we get, really we get into fights too. Like 
we get as leadership, we're like, no, I want this person. No, I want this person. And there's some criteria, you know, you can't take a day off. You know, if you take one day off, you know, let's say you're off Monday for whatever reason, you're disqualified for Cal that week. You know, we had some staff who were there Tuesday through Friday and killed it, but they were off Monday. So they just couldn't qualify. And so those things are really important to us to make sure, because if you're there all week, you're there all week. Fantastic. So uh, a, a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned 2021. So, uh, and, and, and here's the, the question we always ask of, of most of our guests. It, it says, so what will, I, I want you to look forward and, and I want you to picture September 7th, 2021. Uh, what will Michael at the end of next summer say to you uh, at the end of this summer? What, what, what's the, the focus, what's the uh, leadership moment, you know, the encouragement that you would bring to yourself? Yeah, everything's on the table. I think, you know, that that's important. Um, every year I, I tweak, and I think most of us do tweak, change, modify, update is the word I like to use in the past, right? I, you know, oh, we're going to update this. We're going to update how we do this. We're going to update this. But, you know... There's, there's, I feel my own personal opinion, 2021 is going to look a lot like 2020 at my camp. Um, I feel we're still going to have small bubbles. I still feel we're going to have staff wearing masks. Um, We're still going to have kids wearing masks on the bus, but not required at camp. I think it's going to look a lot of the same ways we did. I hope to be able to get swimming back at our camp. We did not swim this summer, but my plan I've followed for 10 years now, I would say that same review the staff manual in February, redo this and, you know, blah, 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 whatever those things are. I think I'm going to kind of start from scratch with a blank page. And I think planning is going to be, this is going to be a very heavy planning summer where everything's on the table. You know, I don't think, or I don't feel that we will be back at swimming lessons five days a week. I don't think our pool capacity who we share with the general membership of the JCC could handle 100 kids, let's say we were at 80. So let's say 100 kids, 110 kids for our big weeks at camp. We couldn't put 110 kids into camp, keep them socially distanced while members get access to the pool. So maybe we only swim once or twice a week. And what does that look like? Uh, we already modified our Friday uh, Shabbat, we, uh, which is Friday services that we do at camp. Um, but how is how do we need to modify it more and when should we do it and how should it look and how does it feel? And does it still fit our mission? Does it still fit our values? Does it still fit within how camp Centerland is going to feel? And I think that's important. So it's just doing a lot of looking back at what we want to do and where we want to go and how we can get there over the, over the next, let's be honest, 10 months because that's what, that's what the next work is. That's amazing. Michael, I, you know, how do people, uh, how would you like them to get a hold of you and, and get some, you know, 
feedback and, and um, uh, you know, tell us how people can reach out to you who might want to learn from the, the, the case study of Camp Centerland uh, summer 2020. Yeah. So a couple of ways. So you can always reach out. I mean, you're listening to my podcast here, so <laughs> that's pretty easy. Um, you know, for, for my consulting, it's michael at youthdevelopmentpro.com. Um, and if you want to reach for Camp Centerland, you can get through that or you can go through my Camp Centerland, uh, my JCC email, which is mgarcia at jccbuffalo.org. Uh, either way, you can get a hold of me, um, smoke signals, whatever. I'm pretty easy. Uh, and go from there. We'll make sure both the websites are in the podcast notes as well. Let's make sure you get that letter also in the podcast notes. It's yeah. a great uh, uh, testament to to the things that are accomplished. It's a good way to look at, at how things go. Yeah. Well, we'll be back after another commercial break, and uh, we're going to wrap this up kind of like how we do when uh, we have guests. Um, I'll tell you my, my takeaway, and then I'll ask Michael one more question. Perfect. Thank you. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. Well, welcome back. We're here uh, to kind of sum up uh, what my, my takeaway from uh, the interview with, with Michael in uh, his camp program. Interestingly enough, uh, in uh, John Maxwell's leadership uh, day by day, uh, the today's is called making the tough call. It happens to be for uh, September eighth, uh, and uh, you know my what uh, uh, John says here is some of the toughest decisions a leader faces um, concerns often poor performance uh, or per performers. Uh, a leader who does not effectively handle them will hurt. Uh, and and here's where the tough call portion kind of plays into what you're doing. Uh, the organization's ability to achieve its purpose. You talked about purpose quite a bit in how, why you went, moved forward. Uh, the morale of your top performers, your cows, and how they brought people up. Uh, your, your, your own credibility by, uh, you know, checking with other people. You did things like uh, had other people check your temperature so that there wouldn't be any uh, lack of integrity and the conversations you have with your your uh, supervision supervisors um, and, and really uh, you know helping everybody's self-image and potential to grow uh, what what an amazing opportunity and, and my biggest takeaway is how this played on so many different levels uh, you know right down to you making phone calls and texting the folks that you had to uh, you know furlough during the week while they're getting the kid tested because they, you know, the parents called and said they're going to have a COVID test. Uh, you know, it's like it, it, you peel back layer after layer after layer of all the nuance that goes into uh, a regular day camp coupled with the pandemic of our lifetime. What, what a great lesson in your leadership and that credibility that you bring to, uh, to the table. So uh, thank you for that. So, so here's, here's my question for you, Michael, is uh, at the end of our interview here, is just a, what, what kind of A, is there a takeaway that you've kind of discovered about yourself? And, and really B, the, the question I wanna know is, so as a result of having operated this summer, what, what possibilities have become available about your future and the future of your program? 
Yeah, so my takeaway is, you know, you could probably figure anything out. I think that's the big part. You, you, you put enough thought into it, enough intention, enough um, community involvement, you could probably figure a way to get around or modify or whatever you want to call it to be a success and not just in camping, but in anything, right? You, you need to figure it out. And um, so that was, I think, the big takeaway for me this summer um you know the the second part al is and and if any of my staff are listening to this they're going to roll their eyes as soon as i say it as soon as camp starts i start thinking about next year like first day of staff training i'm making notes for the next summer and a lot of the modifications we did this summer were our 2023, 2024 modifications to uh, redesign and, and br bring us together, believe it or not. But physically, it, we, had to, we had to move us apart where our carpool procedures were different and our um, carpool is uh, what we call our drop-off and pickup. We do a valet so parents don't get out of the cars. We do valet drop-off and pickup with them. But I think that that preparation and that planning is I, I know i talked about a little bit before but is really the 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 next stage of being prepared what are you doing in 2021 and how is that setup going to help you to be successful in 2022 and beyond so so possibilities answers. abound is yeah. what you're saying yeah and it's okay to i'll i'll quote my father who somebody else probably said it my father probably stole it so don't get mad at me but like man you should sometimes you should try something so hard you should run into a brick wall and leave a mark and i think that's important is you gotta try you know doing the same thing we've always done ugh, it's okay but why are we doing it are we doing it because we've always done it or are we doing it because it meets our mission and our vision and that's, that's for you to decide. That's for the, each person to decide for their program and, and how they want to do things. But man, if that's not a, if, if your program's not fluid, you know, you're going to kind of get stuck in jello. That's a, that's a great way to, uh, to, to end our podcast uh, this week. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, as always encourage you to, uh, share our podcast out with your friends and colleagues who are uh, other uh, youth leadership development professionals. Uh, and we'll look forward to uh, checking back in with you in two weeks uh, with our next guest. So thank you again. Thank you, Michael. Congratulations to uh, Camp Centerland uh, and your team. Yeah, thank you. Very weird to be on this side of the, of the, the, side of the podcast, but thanks, Al. That was great. <laughs> Thank you so much. And, and here's the last word. Everyone be safe out there.